The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Football Acca. I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and uh, and they regret what happened, they've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing 10 years. So we'll start with the good news, uh, Conan and Connor. That is TG Cahir's first game this weekend is one forty-five. Straight after so I'll dinner. Be, I'll be lucky to finish my dinner now when I complain about that. That's too early. No, so that's great. So one forty-five and a brilliant game as well. Bally Gunner versus Patrick Wells. You're straight away. You're into GEA. You've been distracted by nothing else. And then the deferred game is at uh, well, it's live at two p.m. and that's coming on after that. That's Cara Finn and Ballantubber. And I'll absolutely keep my phone. I won't. I, uh, sometimes I listen to RT Radio One, who are very good at jumping around all the grounds and have mm. reporters I'll keep away from them and watch Corrafin and Ballantubber as live so that's great two great games and uh, do you know like I mean while we, I criticised TG Cahar um, there was a piece in the examiner from the Ker- it was, they were talking about the Kerry County final and TG Cahar wanted to show that and the Kerry County board wouldn't allow it so the Kerry County board showed their two quarter two of their quarter finals on a Saturday night um, on RTE and the board estimated that it was a 35% reduction in attendance compared to the equivalent quarterfinals in previous years and they said they didn't want to risk a similar fall off in crowds resulting in more income for the final because their main source of income they want about 10,000 at the final it's their main source of income and they're like if they put it on television I can see this from all sides I can mm. see mm. TG Cahar obviously being hamstrung by not being allowed by county boards I can see why county boards don't allow it I suppose the solution here is for TG Cahar to pay the county board the shortfall of what they would lose out on you know because yeah. you know um, I wouldn't think TG Cahar have the budget to do that mm. and that's why maybe the situation this is the situation that we have been in but we're okay now we're in provincial championships now which start earlier yeah and TGK would probably get the same audience for another game anyway somewhere else like Ballantubber Corathan so rather than pay like all that extra exactly money to get it off game. somebody else I, I'm actually wondering why any county board allow it then if there's that much of a short, uh, a drop I suppose it's promotion of the games in that county it, like it, it, it's all everything's a brand I suppose at the same time and if there's a great yeah. county final it's the talk of the country you know so there are benefits obviously of showing the game on TG Cahar as well right it, it is an interesting one I don't know what you lads think but a game being on TV doesn't really stop me going to the match. Like, I would look at that fixture and be like, Geez. Oh, it would stop me. Would it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Loads of factors yeah. would If it was raining now, I would night and it was raining now. If it was raining, I wouldn't go. And Length of the journey, television. traffic, loads of, the, loads of different things come into it for me. Yeah, yeah. but it's just, there's something, I don't sound like a walking billboard for club championships, <laughs> but there is something different about being there, like, you know, and taking it all in and, just being amongst us, you know. Ah, like no, of course there is all things being equal on a fine day. <laughs> <laughs> after it, you've had the dinner. If, it, if, if you're after having a dinner and, you know, you're not really inclined to get off the couch, the fire's on, it's pissing rain outside, that match is on television, you're not going over there. Yeah. Come on. Anyways, so, listen, could you, this, considering you're such a club aficionado, Conan, this is going to upset you a little bit. So, Maliki, we kind of touched on this on Monday. And we're talking about the club season not having kicked off yet. Mm. And it kind of got me thinking about it. It hasn't. You know, you're, you're not seeing the same interaction on Twitter about the games. There hasn't been brilliant games. Then you're kind of wondering, is it because TG Cahar are showing it them too late? And I'm wondering about that. And then you're wondering, you know, are you missing the good ones? And are the county boards not allowing them to show ones that they potentially would have shown? All those things. But in my head, this club season, which I love, 
I'm not invested in it as much as I, I usually am. And then I'm thinking back um, to last year and usually it's the provincial club that really gets me going rather than the county finals. So Maliki's talking about this and like, I mean, I was reading a lot of the replies from the article um, on Twitter and people aren't happy about this, but Maliki absolutely has a point. He says, at the same time, it frequently feels like we make bigger claims for the club championship than they deserve. You get told a lot about that this is the real GEA as if inter-county stuff is a figury um, or a luxury or a little more than a sop to the GEA as if you're somehow less than pure if you prefer July evening in Parky Keeve to a winter afternoon here he said the club championships have their charms of course to do but you wouldn't want to overstate them either even if you remove November grey from them They'll still be local affairs, cared about deeply by, by, but singularly by local people. They can't plug into the communal heft that sustains and drives the GA summer. I completely agree. Now, he's talking about uh, championship restructures and some of the most popular ones have the inter-county season finishing in July. And he's kind of arguing, God, well, then you would be stuck with stuff that's only important locally for the rest of the year. Yeah. And I can see that concern. But... That's only for county final season, right? And I completely agree. County finals, really, unless it's, uh, I don't know, two kind of famous clubs, is really only important. He's using the example of Boris Lee versus Killadangan last week in the hurling. It really only has local interest, maybe a little bit in the county and not an awful lot outside of that, outside of real diehards. But my kind of point of this is, and I accept that, any restructure, you probably have a bit of downtime in August and halfway through September while the club championships get going and the county finals kind of are seen out and then you'll start seeing some live games around county final time. But then when you come out of that right now, now we have Ballygunner versus Patrickswell. That's, you know, Waterford versus Limerick. Now you're plugging back into the county mm. rivalry. Now you have Currafin versus Ballantober, Mayo versus um, Galway. Now you're plugging back into it because I know with Portleash, we were terribly supported down through the years with Portleash. It's just a big town and would have a small GA community. And then you run out in the first round of the Leinster Club and there's a big roar for you. And you wonder, where's all these supporters come out? They're Leash fans who come out to, to see Portleash are representing Leash. And now it becomes Leash. You know, so what, while I, I do accept Maliki's point of view on the club, I think provincial club, the world is your oyster with that and All-Ireland semi-final, All-Ireland final. Do you know what I mean? I, I think that when people want to make space in the calendar, I think club players deserve their time in August and September if it finishes in July. But I think we can make a huge big deal out of the end of September and all of October and a bit of November club seat you know what I mean club seat and plug back into that inter-county rivalry will Galway beat Mayo this year can Ballantubber you know repay Cora Finn you know and win mm. one back for Mayo and now you're plugging back into Mayo fans do you get me I think there, yeah. there is, a, there is a, an opportunity there I think, I think there is I actually yeah, I agreed with sort of Maliki's overall point I didn't really necessarily agree with a lot of the arguments he was making within it so I would hate to see the county season shorten too much because it is the best thing like you know and mm. Like any, like, you know, no matter if it's Port Leash against Kilmacud Crooks, you know, Dublin versus Leash or whatever, you're not going to get a million people tuning in like you would on the final day, you know, say, like, so it just doesn't compare to that, to that point of view. So, like, when I hear people talk about restructures and sometimes, like, to say, just get rid of the league and we'll have that as a championship, but I like having two things no matter what it is because it just prolongs the county season. So I would hate to lose that. And what I think that it was sort of a, missing a bit from his argument is that 
club season is like it's for players anyway. It's 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 not really a spectator thing. It's like you know from junior to senior, thirty two counties, everybody's playing our games now. Again. Yeah, and maybe the biggest argument for that is like giving them a bigger window to play. You know, so like you know, yeah. they can have actually a chance to play. But yeah. um, it's I not just, all about TV figures either. It's a, it's a, it's about having space in the calendar for them. I do accept the point. In August, September, you don't have those big blockbuster games, but I think they can be replaced. Not replaced. But they can, we can have October as a huge month of provincial club. You know, it yeah. won't be as big as inter-county. Obviously, you couldn't compare it to an all Ireland final. But I'm sure they would do well. Yeah, I think, I, I think so. Like, I, I tend to agree with you, Conan. I, I got where Meliki was getting at with his, with his overall team, but tended to disagree with some of the arguments. One of the things he said was um, that club finals uh, matter who they matter to and not much more beyond that. I, I, I don't know about that. Like, I think it's more than that. I, did, I, I think I didn't realise how much I was into club finals elsewhere until they, until they started showing them on TG Carr. Mm. And I think TG Carr awoke to that as well by the fact that they said they'd take a punt in it and then they realised what a massive appetite there was for club finals elsewhere. Like, I think Meliki made some good points about the OTT marketing of the club and maybe yeah. it's blown up to be something that is I think that Mount Leinster Rangers speech, speech is burned into my memory <laughs> yeah, now at yeah. this stage but at the same time then I was thinking well we make the point all the time about the lack of marketing for the All-Ireland Championship before it happens so maybe it's a bit rich of us then to be complaining about the club game being built up to be a little more than yeah, what it is I don't think it's built up I think there's a lot of virtue signaling going on yeah, there to is use that, that word about yeah. club people on Twitter going oh that's a disgrace I wouldn't even entertain like you know what I mean there's a lot of outrage around the club and I, don't, I think it can be full outrage a lot of the time that, like, I mean, everybody wants the club to have a, a section of the year. There's no doubt about that. But I don't see people as, in real life, I don't see people as exercised about it as you might uh, see yeah. online. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the same <laughs> yeah. people won't go to a, like, all they have to do is maybe go to a club meeting and mention that so the club delegates can bring it to a county meeting and make a big deal of it. And then they just don't do that. Yeah. And then the CPA will send out loads of surveys. And the same people that were given out about it on Twitter won't take the time to actually fill out those yeah, surveys yeah. and do what they have to do to make a difference. So you're right about that mm. virtue signaling. Yeah, I'm like. a great club man. I want, I want to be seen <laughs> yeah. as a great, yeah. you know, believer in the club. The GA has lost its soul. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so popular right yeah, now. Like, you start, yeah. you start Start hammering about this, and there's a huge audience there. Mm. Like they're ready to go. This is how to be woke in the GA. (laughs) 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 How to be a woke GA follower. Actually, I'm starting to hate these people. Um, Right. Okay. We'll leave. We'll leave that there. But it is interesting. But I do think that I think maybe because this is the way it is with me. But uh, just the inter-county rivalry, born out. With the cl- you get the best of both worlds, yeah. I think. So I think this, I think we'll have a really enjoyable month kicking off this Sunday with the inter inter county club rivalries. You know, and, yeah, and absolutely. Hopefully, it does kick off because it does. I think it needs a shot in the arm. The 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 club season. So we have to talk about this Mayo um, County Board uh, meeting the other night. Connor, this is bizarre stuff altogether. This is embarrassing for Mayo. There's no doubt about that. Mayo County Board are not coming out well out of this. Like I mean, you've Paul Conan. Um, releasing a statement saying that there was a vote of confidence proposed in the Mayo GA executive at a board's meeting tonight, which was resoundingly passed by all delegates. Now, um, subsequent to this, Charlestown, Sarsfields, Lewisborough, Castlebar Mitchells and Ballycastle all released statements on Twitter saying that their delegates didn't actually vote on it. So what happened at the meeting was someone who wasn't a delegate, I think he was part of the executive, proposed a motion of confidence in the executive. It was immediately seconded. Um, no vote was taken and this was seen because nobody objected at the meeting. This was seen as a re- as in 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 the, the county board's words, a res- was resoundingly passed by all delegates. Now, 
I was kind of talking to people about this and what happens at county board meetings is that can be proposed and seconded. This can come as a shock to a lot of delegates. It takes a lot of bottle to, to, to immediately stand up and go, well, I propose a counter uh, motion of no confidence. You're kind of hit with this. You don't really have time. A lot of them mightn't have the confidence. This is, this is something that might need to be kind of planned or, you know, when it's just landed on you, yeah. you don't have it. <clears throat> so there was silence, bang, done. Let's move on from that resoundingly, propo- or, you know, and no vote. So they voted, they banned media from county board meetings in the future. A vote was taken on that. There was no vote taken on the vote of confidence. Yeah, in there was the a vote board. taken on the media. And yeah. isn't, that, isn't that outrageous? Like, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I know what I like. <laughs> I was about to say, can we go a week without talking about the Mayo County Board? But when they keep making it difficult for themselves, it's hard not to. And it's not just that Jesus gone way beyond the local story at this stage. It's a, it's a national story, and it's it's been a mess from from nearly start to finish. I was saying to you before, Anne Conan, and I think the point has been made already, but. Isn't it ridiculous that on, on a night where a motion was passed to ban the media from future meetings, we had a situation where there was complete confusion about what had happened actually inside when there was two, there was, there was a number of members of the local media stood outside in the cold who, if they were actually in that meeting, would have been able to report in a fair and transparent, spa- yeah. transparent manner on what actually happened and the county board themselves would avoid the mess they've got into since. Like, uh, <laughs> but they don't see that when you're acting like this, you don't want media seeing you yeah, acting what, like this. What, what, this yeah. is shady of the highest order. And, and another thing is, like, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense how they think that they can, you know, get away with this. Some of the, the, the clubs tweeted their statements. Another uh, email was sent around by the county secretary telling clubs to refrain from using social yeah, media. I've seen that, they don't yeah. want any of this to get out. They want to be able to act with impunity in these meetings, do what they want, and they yeah. don't want the world to know about they've what com- they're doing. This is unreal stuff. They've completely doubled down. Like They said that the, the use of social media by clubs beggars belief. Now that email, in fairness, detailed personal attacks on social, on social media and offers of the poor... On Conan. But that's, listen, ah, look, I know that's, I, that annoys me, right? Because, like, that's just deflecting away from it. This is yeah. Twitter. People get... Slagged off on Twitter. If you're acting shady and you're saying it was resoundingly passed by all delegates, clubs come out and say it wasn't voted on. You're bound to get some grief on Twitter. To start crying yeah. about the PRO getting uh, abuse on Twitter, that's completely playing the poor. You know, the playing the the poor boy. Yeah. Look at me and and looking for sympathy. Like one of my things about it is that like the stance of the county board has been very defiant. There's no been no conciliation or no admission of, of their own wrongdoing in this approach at all. They've been pointing fingers left, right, and centre. And I don't know are they aware that like what's turned into what had been a few dissenting voices in the county has turned into blank disapproval. It's all anybody is talking about in Mayo this week. You don't even have to have an interest in club football or club J county J whatever. Everybody's talking about it and. The county board have made a rod for their own back, and there's been no acknowledgement of that whatsoever. It would be, it's not going to solve anything, but geez, it would be nice to say. I know there was, I think Paul Cunyon apologised for, I don't know, do we talk about this when he played, when the, the playing of Shoe the Donkey. Uh, oh, the song no. Shoe the Donkey. I, I chose the not to mention that. Game. That was okay. so cringeworthy that I know, I, I, I know, I know. But that, that was the only, that's yeah. been the only admission of wrongdoing that I can see in, the, in this whole mess. Uh, and they've, they've just got even more defined and just seem to be. Uh, as you said, just 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 ignoring their own role in this mess, and just he seemed to be happy to be pointing fingers elsewhere, and it's just I I don't know, it's just embarrassing for all concerned. Yeah, so Connelly or Connolly, the chairman, he we spoke about him a couple of weeks ago. You weren't here, Connor, and he was actually being humble enough. He was talking about how difficult it is that they're running small businesses; they don't necessarily have the expertise, you know. Whereas uh, a small business 
with a turnover of about four million, which Mayo County Board has, might have a staff of ten professionals. They don't. And I was like, you know, he's being humble about this. He's accepting that it's a really difficult job. And then he acts like then they're kind of pulling stunts like this, and you're wondering yeah. what is going on there. I think one of the other disappointing things is there's a statement of his during the rounds from 2014. And it's talking about there was poor communication in Mayo in the past and we need to start becoming a bit more professional, you know, in the way we're operating things, you know, and that's five years ago and we're, we're here now in this position yeah. five years later. Like, I don't know, and I get sort of, no, I'm not comparing him to the FAI, but remember John Delaney at the Arractus and somebody, like he was just reading out his statement and didn't say anything else and somebody made the point to him, if you wanted to clear your name, like surely you would speak now and start like telling everybody what's actually happened like if you did nothing wrong but you know he didn't obviously yeah. and like this is the same now with this what, what I think it's like surely you would like take the opportunity to, to show everybody like actually no it's just a confusion here here's what actually happened but they're not doing that they're banning media instead yeah that's it, their answer in, in fairness to them they weren't allowed to talk about the, the supporters yeah. association or the, another claim by Luigi Rooney for legal reasons so yeah. I suppose that have to be, has to be pointed out as well yeah well conveniently I suppose you would say like I mean it's easy to hide behind that as well like I mean this it just keep going back to the same point Bring in a CEO that runs the company, which it is. Let these fellas keep their power that they think they have. They're not running the ship. The ship is run by a professional. If they want to squabble about who's in control of what and have all their meetings and do what they want, it's irrelevant to how this company is run. So you have your CEO, your marketing department, whatever you need, commercial director. There's two. I'd say you'd have two and that would be enough. Let them run the company and let them delegate jobs to these fellas and let them continue with their meetings. Let them vote each other in, in and out every year and let them play their politics. It's irrelevant to how that company is run because this is a complete farce of a situation that all this is in the backdrop of these fellas are meant to be running a four million a year turnover company. <laughs> it's yeah. bizarre, lads, isn't it? And like, I mean, I, you know, I think it was about four years ago I suggested that GEA needs to just send in a CEO in every county board, 100 grand a year, be in around 3 million a year. It'll pay for itself. Just do it. And the answer from Porrick Duffy that time was, well, we don't get involved in the way county boards run their business there. They have autonomy and all this. It's like, look where autonomy's getting you. Yeah. Yeah. But Mike Connolly made the direct uh, shout out to Crow Park. He yeah, said, yeah, Crow he Park needs to get involved. Yeah, here, yeah, no, exactly. Right, listen, the GPA have uh, published uh, results from a student report um, from this year. And there's some fairly uh, eye-catching numbers in it and results in it. So they're under four different... Um, uh, categories, welfare, academic, well-being and finance. And leave off the finance, I'm not too interested in that, but the welfare one is interesting. 80, 83% are playing uh, with at least three teams. Uh, 81% take part in social activities less than most other people their age. No surprises there. 70% travel home for training three or more times per week. That was very high. You would think managers aren't dragging students home, you know, for training outside the weekends. Um, even when I was going to college 20 years ago, you weren't dragged home during the week. You know, weekend is the Friday night or whatever. So now 48% felt confident to talk to their county manager about a reduced training load. So these are kind of some of the, the, the numbers. Under academic, which I thought was interesting, 35% had to repeat a college exam. 11% had to re- repeat an entire academic year. 65% feel their training load negatively affects their academic performance. That's massive. Mm. 65% of them think that it's it's uh, stepping over on their academic performance. 54% don't receive support from the College of Drone Pressure. 48% felt more like an inter-county player than a student 
trying to earn a degree. Like, I mean, I think that's shocking, though. 65% feel that their training load negatively affects their academic performance. I don't know. Like, I mean, there's no student should have to be worrying about that. And this is linked in to the 70% being traveling home three days a week and making Mm. them do commutes Mm. and everything. Like the fix here is probably with managers at club level, leave them alone during the week and inter-county. Stop dragging them home. Like, I mean, let them do their studies. Let them train on their own. See a lot of companies now letting people work from home. Give them, like, if they want to be serious players, they're going to do the training. Like, ironically, if you're a, a county player, you're almost better looked after because the club aren't, aren't dragging you back. But imagine you're just sort of in between or you're playing under 20s and you're playing with your college and then your club still wants you back as well. You're having to sort of trying to keep everybody happy. And like, to be honest, when I looked at that originally, the, the training load, I always thought, you know, training's good for you when you're trying to study. You can't study <coughs> every hour of every day. But then if you're traveling home three hours a week. That's four hours or three times a week. That's four hours a day. To being tired. Yeah. You know, you can't stay. I always remember the fellas, I often mention them, like Niall Collins, Ian Fitzgerald, and we wouldn't have had anywhere near the workload. Like one is a partner in a law firm now and the other is a dentist with a few different practices and everything. And they're doing very well for themselves. But the studying they did when we were playing football, and I'd say they were the two that stood out to me. Like, I mean, I was wondering, how are they doing it? Mm. You'd play a championship under 21 match and they'd go home. After it, and it study is like, Jesus, this is just on a different level. We lost an under-21 All-Ireland final against Kerry on the Saturday. Um, I was in DIT studying marketing and I was commuting. I was going in every day and we lost that final. And I was so disappointed about losing that final that I didn't go into my end of, end of year exams on the Monday. I just refused to go into them and I dropped out of DIT. <laughs> but like, before the exam. I was Jesus very, I was very immature. Um, and football meant that much to me that those exams were nothing to me. We've just lost an under twenty one final. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's not just the time it takes; yeah. it's, the me- it's uh, how much t- mental effect it has on you, and how much you dream about it. And it's hard when you're a little bit immature to settle down to study because your mind is all over the place. You know, yeah. I, I, look, there's no fix to that. That's just maturity levels. But when you add in that. Uh, 65% of them feel their training load is negatively affecting. So your training load is negatively inflecting your ability to study. Then you throw in the immaturity and the daydreaming and the disappointment. I don't know. It's 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 tough. People don't understand that. It's good that it's kind of drilled down to because there's a blanket kind of uh, perception that like uh, inter-county GA now is a game for students and teachers because of the time that they have. But like you have to differentiate the types of students. Like I did arts when I was in college. Like I I would have had plenty of time. But no more than your, your mates that you were talking of they, they were doing really kind of uh, labour intensive and study specific, intensive they courses. wanted to be that's the thing as well they knew what they wanted to be that's something to work towards most students aren't sure yeah. you're doing a generic arts degree or a finance degree or business studies you have no idea what you're going to be you're just yeah. doing it yeah, yeah. 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 you and don't know what mark you need to get out of so you're just passing yeah. Yeah. You know, whereas if you're doing one of those ones you more or less know what exactly what you need to be a lot of it comes anything. back to career guidance in schools and and you know, giving students before they go to college an idea of what they want to be, what they're suited for. Yeah. We had yeah, terrible yeah, career yeah, guidance. Yeah. Like, I had no idea. You end up just going, what will I pick? What's everyone else doing? Like, you have no idea. Yeah. What's important to me? Football. I, mean, at least I don't really give a yeah. shit about, I'll get a job through that, mate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're That's going from the leave insert, like in two months later, you're going into something that could dictate your career path and dictate <laughs> yeah, where yeah. you go in life. Something I was uh, thinking of earlier on when you were mentioning the training load and stuff is, is people like Brian Howard there a couple of years ago when he basically chose 
supposed to kind of not play for the Sigurdsson team and I'd say there's there's pressure on internal pressure on some players to think that like well I don't necessarily have to go to county training but if I don't go I'm jeopardising my chances of making it like I know that's an individual decision and maybe that's where an inter-county manager has to step in and say and it's difficult for them to do too because they want to give them the chance to make the county team but somebody maybe has to step in and say no you can't because it's obviously negatively impacting Mm. on your on your college performance no you're right though and uh, it's 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 important to point out depends what like that's why you have nothing but respect for Jack McCaffrey who's a doctor and studying the, yeah. the study that's yeah. required yeah. for athletes like that's a, like you, you're right the arts degree like that's fairy tale stuff you know you have so much time you'd actually have too much time in your day and the training is a good distraction yeah. because you don't <laughs> have to go in on but it's the, the students who actually in tough courses like no disrespect yeah. to the arts uh, fac- I'm faculty I'm one of them so that's why I didn't mind calling <laughs> it out but there, there's, there's such a, a disconnect though. there's no sympathy for students like you know one year we had a manager who wanted to come back on a Tuesday and you come back thinking like you're really doing everybody a service coming back here and it's like nobody gave a shit like you know, you'd be late and they'd be getting on to you and you're like just come down from Belfast and then they'd be like what'd you do all day? Nothing like you know because they know that you're a student and you're not working as yeah. as long as they are. So yeah. there's not a lot of sympathy for no, students. there isn't, and there is that pressure. Like even I would have been a very relaxed student, but at the back of your mind the whole time is these exams are in the f- in the future. I'm doing nothing, and now there's that's a pressure on your mm. shoulders. Do you know? So there's another one under well-being is 54 percent over half of the student uh, county players regularly feel overwhelmed by their commitments, and 62 percent find it difficult to manage all of the commitments associated with being a student. Um, athlete. You could argue that any athlete, any serious athlete has all these issues and mm. I'd say they do. I'm not saying this is unique to, to GEA at all. Yeah, it's just the reality of being an elite performer, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Connor, Connor Myler was at that launch and he said at the start of the year I had to really prioritise my academics. But overall you're asking yourself and having that conversation, is this Masters worth it? Um, it's not me. It's not doing me any favours here. I'm wrecked all the time. I'm spending ridiculous hours in the library, getting up really <coughs> early or staying really late. So he's kind of summed up pretty much what we're talking about. Paul Flynn was talking about this launch as well, and he responded to an article written by Joe Brawley. We mentioned it the other day, but not this part of it. So Brawley said that the GPA were unchecked, unchallenged and detached from reality. So it's important, I suppose, we point out Flynn's response um, to Brawley, he says there are a couple of things outlined that are factually untrue things around our commercial independence we don't actually have commercial independence just to clarify that we have um, through our agreement with the GEA um, we have it through our or we have through our agreement with the GEA we aren't actually able to go out and engage with corporates on our own we can do it through a joint venture that we have with the GEA um, so like I mean I suppose that's important to, to point out that they're not unchecked unchallenged um, there is, you know, some sort of control from the GEA over them. And he took uh, took up Brawley about saying they're unchecked and ungoverned. He says, we have very strong governing structures. Um, you were at our AGM. We outlined it all in our annual report. We're fully compliant with the governance code for sporting organisations. We're audited by uh, Delight a big four firm. We've got GA representatives on our finance committee. We have a remuneration committee with three independents who decide on salaries and all salaries are benchmarked against other sporting organisations and similar organisations that exist in our size. So I've heard that one before. I'd still prefer if they just uh, made them public anyway. But it's important to point out, um, like Broly just saying, unchecked, unchallenged, detached from reality probably isn't fair um, on the GPA either. Yeah, well, it's, it's good to hear them, like Paul Finn, go into 
as much detail as I've heard about the governance structures of the GPA because to be fair no more than Joe Brawley there's a few kind of high profile media commentators that would regularly kind of criticise the GPA and you don't maybe it's just me but I don't hear much of a response so at least it's good to hear that Yeah Paul Flynn's a fighter you see Flynn yeah. and I do think that Flynn is representing the players very well with John Horn I don't think he'd he'd be in any way fearful of the GAA I think he's he's uh I think he's doing a good job since since he's gone in there. I think the GPA having the I think they did put pressure on the GEA regarding championship structures. The CPA did more publicly, but I think Flynn did as well. They've both seats, and I kept saying that my huge gripe with the GPA for the last ten years was the biggest problem in the GEA is championship structures. You're the union, fix it. They never did. If the championship structures are fixed uh, <coughs> in 2021. The rest of the stuff the GPA does, I'm not, like I said on Monday, I'm not overly critical yeah. of them. I think the players yeah. deserve representation and deserve to be treated well and all those things that go with it. Quickly, um, he was also talking about tier tier two and we've, ta- we've over-talked this, lads, so we won't go mad into this. He says two-thirds of players don't buy into this competition. No shit, I would say to that. Forget about Division 1. This is Division 2, 3 and 4 teams who could be directly affected by this as of next year and two-thirds of them are against it. Again, do any survey uh, in leash club football with senior and intermediate level and say who wants to play senior football? And I'd say you get a 95% uh, response that all players want to play senior football. Is this what we're actually talking about here? Some things players shouldn't have an opinion on. What was very interesting here, lads, is he said you couldn't disregard the possibility of a boycott just yet. <laughs> My God. So, right, get, let's get this right. Some counties might potentially boycott the tier two, which I think is just be a complete and utter joke, a farce. Who do they think they are? But the problems and the thing that these counties need to think of is they might not agree with next year's tier two. I could guarantee the following year when all the different stakeholders come together, a tier two will be part of a long-term GEA structure. So are you against this tier two or are you against tier two in general? Because if you're against tier two in general, you're just going to have to boycott the next 10 years because that's what's going to come in. I can guarantee that's what will be part of the fixtures task um, committee going forward will be two tiers. Why? Because that's the sensible thing to do. And players shouldn't have a a say on this. Everybody, of course, wants to play at the top level. There's a few coming out saying, well, that makes sense. We're playing at our own level. But they would obviously be of the the idea that they will eventually get up to division, the first level. So they're being a little, have a little bit more common sense. They were not really there yet. But in general, any intermediate player will want to play. Mm. So if they're given the option of a vote, do you want to play... With, with all 32 in the same competition of course they're going to say most of them will say yes that's natural no no like just, like, but the sensible thing to do say would be to get rid of provinces but that's not going to happen like you know so I don't think that actually means that it's I think, a guarantee I think, that I think the provincials could be gone out of the, the one the following year or else pulled out of it I don't think the provincials would be part of the All-Ireland when this when it can't be well, so I'd be very you, surprised to see that. Do you that. think so? Just with the, the, with the stakeholders holders involved it's commanded such a kind of prestigious place so far that I'd be just very, I'd like, I, I wouldn't necessarily be against it. I'd like, I'd like, Conan, I, I think that um, it doesn't necessarily make sense, but I would be surprised that like some of the people involved would be willing to, willing to get rid of them. Yeah, I think that the provincials will stay, but I think that if you want a fair start to the All Ireland, they can't be there, right? So they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're in the, anyways, we're getting into a championship restructures 
and thing then I just thought the idea <clears> of a boycott la- next no, year that's wrong though isn't it it's just wrong he just was obviously asked that as opposed to him he, he didn't bring it up he said, yeah, he, yeah, couldn't, he, said yeah. he wouldn't rule it out yeah. right f- finally Frank McGlynn retired uh, this week um, top class player unbelievable year in 2012 got an All-Star I always remember his goal in the, in the Ulster final that year um, against Down Down started that game uh, really well just just seemed to be able to run all day yeah. like an excellent player unassuming player you know like I mean it's not like the country will I think a lot of people appreciate Frank McLean but he never really made a big deal of himself you know <laughs> yeah, he was like a, an 8 out of 10 every day yeah, yeah. Uh, well a little close in the 7 8 out of 10 he was just so consistent that one day, one day, like he was perfect nearly for that Donegal style of football around like maybe 2011 to 20 went well to, to the present day as well but like always always had him as the guy that would you know pop up for one or two crucial points as well in big games too like yeah, yeah. really really good very player. talented player too it needs to be said like I mean he he's a soccer background played in the Mill Cup with Wayne Rooney as we all know yeah. at this stage but has played wing back has played centre back has played corner back has played as the sweeper when Mark McHugh left and has also spent a little bit of time as kind of a makeshift half forward yeah. but like I mean that's seriously talented player but like you're right anywhere in the Donegal team from number two probably up to number 12 maybe has a you know are a kind of mashed in together so Frank McGlynn with his versatility you know and all round game just could float into any of those positions seamlessly yeah and I'd say nobody in the country is a bad word to say about him as well no. which says a lot to no. some man exactly Onagara retired as well um, oh, I think Onagara is the most decorated sub in the history of the, of the <laughs> GEA so he has nine Leinster titles he has seven All-Irelands he has five National Leagues and he never really started for Dublin, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I mean, so you wonder when you ask Owen O'Gara, how many All-Irelands have you won? What would he what say? Would he say? Yeah, interesting. You know, like, he, for me, in 2011, he came on for 13 minutes. So he won one in 2011. He was on after 16 minutes. Paul Mannion must have got injured in 2013. Don't exactly remember that. So now he's won two. He wasn't even in the squad in 15. So now he's won two of three. He got eight minutes in 2016, um, the first game, and he was an unused sub in the replay. He started the 2017 final, um, funnily enough. He only lasted 36 minutes. It was minutes. like a rabbit out of a hat yeah, from Jim Gavin yeah, that time. It surprise. didn't work. And that was yeah. because Kieran Donaghy, remember uh, Mayo moved Aidan O'Shea back on Kieran Donaghy in the semi-final? Oh, yeah. that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah, he was yeah, trying yeah. to get them to do the same thing, but it's obviously not the same direction. <laughs> <laughs> not really, no. So then in, in 2018, he was an unused sub, and 2019, he wasn't in the squad. So he played no part in, in three of the seven. So I suppose he has seven All-Ireland medals. He won four. Would that be fair? Like, Roy Keane doesn't even count his Champions League medal and he, <laughs> he, he, won, he got them to the final. Now, he, that's very, very extreme. Yeah. But, like, I mean, it's just, it's very unusual for someone to hang around the squad as long as he did with never really being a starter, you know? I know, like, you get more time these yeah. days, but, like, he didn't see much game time. I was very surprised at... He got more tributes when he retired than Paul Flynn and Bernard Brogan put together by the Dublin... Uh, Monogar did. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. Just on his longevity, I think that he was such a different type of player to everybody else. I'd say that's why he lasted so long. Do you know, like he brought he brought something different to the Dublin attack. He was so... Phys- like I, that 2013 final, I think he got injured at the end of that 2013 final, having come on as a sub already. But he did do he did do damage. And obviously Jim Gavin saw in him the potential to do something against Mayo that little bit different yeah. than what Dublin had been playing up to that point. So I'd say that's why he lasted oh, for so long. There's, there's and no was doubt, probably yeah. promised that he was... You know, we know what impact you can make. And probably being told that by Jim, Jim Gavin all along, which made him stick stick at it for this long. Yeah. Do you remember when he was brought in first under Pat Gilroy? Mm. 
He's one of the worst players I've ever seen. Now the improvements, in fairness to him, over the next ten years, like this fella couldn't even solo the ball. Yeah. Like he'd solo the ball, it'd go way up over his head. He looked like a, he looked like a junior player. Now having to say that, as the years went on. He, he turned into a player that was a very, very effective player. In fairness, in fairness to him, he must have worked very hard at his game to go from being as raw as he was, lads. Like, Jesus. Now, I don't know, was it nerves, but he just looked terrible. Yeah. But towards the end, some of the performance... Now, a lot of the time he'd come on in games and Dublin would have it won and he'd kick one, two and rattle one into the net. Yeah. So that's probably easy as well. When you think back to a tight game he ever did anything in, I don't really... They, none mm. of them are jumping to my mind. It's very easy come on when you're hammering Derry and rattling one, two. <laughs> <laughs> That's not easy. No, no, it's just that league final I'm thinking of in my head. He did like, really uh, well against Christy McCaig, actually. I remember that he? in the league final. Yeah. Or, or Leash, for example. Or any, any county, you know, look, he was a decent player. Like, I mean, but, you know, hanging around a squad that you can't get on 10 years, you know my aversion to subs, so yeah. I wouldn't have much time for that. It, but it is interesting, because I thought the same. And like, yeah, I thought he was always a bit unbalanced when he was using his feet and stuff. He scored some screamers, but like just never seemed that convincing. But he survived three managers, like three yeah. tough man. Mm. And seven years of Jim Gavin, who <laughs> no problem getting rid of people. Did he surprise? No, two managers. Gilroy brought him in. I think he was under Caffrey as no, well, was he not? No, no, no. Gilroy tried to change direct the direction Caffrey went, so brought uh, he definitely brought. Uh, right here, let's just, just cut this out, in. and then we'll we'll start the whole show. <laughs> oh, again. I don't think this is a debate. <laughs> I'm telling you that Gilroy brought him in. Yeah, well, like you know, but even surviving Gilroy and like Gavin, seven years of Gavin is probably the most impressive thing. Let's just focus on that point. Seven years <laughs> of Gavin. Yeah, no, you can make a good point just on Gavin alone without uh, dragging us into it. Right, lads, that's always time for. We will be back with Tig Morley. Um, he's coming up next. You can't touch this. This. A few weeks later, they played Phil Kenny below in Nolan Park. The same year. And oh, they were being hockey. But the camera went in. There was a fellow warming up. And Jesus, you should see him. Yeah, that fuck. He was massive. Legs, ass, belt. But I burst out laughing watching him. There he was, the epitome of what I said. I told you, homeboy. You can't touch this. Yeah, that's how we living and you know. Can't touch this. So on Saturday, Temple No play Riverwater in the Munster Intermediate Championship quarter final, and Tyg Morley joins us on the line now. Tyg, how's it going? Good, Colin. Yeah, it's good. Now, thanks so much. It's fair to say these are great days for the club. Oh, certainly, yeah. Um, great excitement around local now at the moment. The lead up to the game and the fact that it's uh, a Munster Championship game and we get to have it at home as well, like your order space. So it's so it's an in- incredible rise. So you won the junior um, three years ago, 2016. You went on and won the All Ireland Club um, final. Um, then you came up to intermediate, lost the intermediate final. Then won the intermediate uh, this year. You're in the Munster Club and you're going to be a senior team next year. So you're the, you'll be the only rural senior team out of the eight. All the rest are from towns. You know the big ones like Doctor Croaks, yeah. Legion, Ratmore, Austin Stacks, Cairns, O'Reilly, yeah. Dingle, and Ken Mayer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, how, so have you, how have you done yeah, it? It's, it's, it's huge. It's a, yeah, it's a huge thing to because um, the club was actually never seen her before. Uh, so it was actually it was a huge thing to get over that hurdle of winning the intermediate this year. We were close the last couple of years. We won the junior as you said that time in 2015, and we lost the final of the intermediate 16 and 17, and lost to the eventual winners in last year as well. So. 
it's been we've been kind of close to it, so we were likely to get over the line now this year and get senior. So it's uh, a huge deal for the club, and I suppose it'll be it'll probably really hit home maybe next year now when we're playing in the senior club championship. You know that we're we're at that level now, and even obviously in Kerry, then when you play in the in the county championship on your own, then as well. So that'll really it'll really hit home then that we're we're at that level when we when we get to that stage next year. Yeah, no, it definitely does. So we have a mutual friend, um, and I stayed we with, do, yeah. I stayed in his house recently. I was down in Kenmare for a wedding, and he lives just past Temple. No, as you know, he lives up a huge yeah. hill, but we won't even talk about how far up a hill yeah, he lives. But that's 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 the yeah. He uh, he told me that he lives just after Temple Known. It was dark and it was about half past nine. And he says, ring me when you get past Temple Known. I'll tell you where to go. And I was gone miles past Temple Known. I rang him and says, when am I going to land to Temple Known? He says, what did you see? Oh, I said, I just passed a church that was always there. It wasn't a village. It was nothing. <laughs> and he says, that's Temple Known. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, yeah. I know we're, we're a very small world. It's like uh, it has a church there in Temple Known and Spillane's Bar is there as well. It's uh, unfortunately closed at the moment, but yeah. Hopefully in the next couple of years it'll open again. But that's that's all there is really to honest. It's quite a small area, very small amount of people living around and um so it's it's amazing really to think the the, the position that we're in, you know, even even within the county, as you said, within the senior and you know, coming up against big uh, populations now, even in the Munster Intermediate Championship as well. So it's it's uh, I suppose you could say we're punching above our weight, but we have um you know, we have a good group of players at the moment, so we're just trying to make the most of our time now that we have this opportunity because, you know, as it comes in cycles, you know, we're going to be struggling again in a number of years again. So it's about trying to make the best of what we have at the moment. Yeah, I suppose that's the thing. Like, I mean, I was reading as well, there's no national school. Like, I mean, like you said, there's very little in Temple No, And, you, you know, I would say every club in Ireland has some national school feeding it. You don't. So you have to join up with uh, Sneem and Derry Nan at underage level. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, there's no national school no in the in the locality at the moment. So um, all the kids go to school here in Kilmare where I'm teaching at the moment. So um, at underage level, then yeah, we're kind of I suppose our numbers wouldn't be huge. Like um, we join up with uh, yeah with team and, uh, and Derry and there to 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 make for for underage teams. And you know there's a huge huge minus difference there between Tiffalo and, and Derry Nan even you know, so it, it just shows the you know the, the, the problems that exist in, in rural clubs and stuff trying to field teams and even with our own senior team like we're we're, we're stuck for numbers now. Our numbers are like the, the players that we have are, are of good quality but we're um we're tight with numbers as well like you know what I mean? So it's not it's not simple to try and get everything everything worked out like even a lot of fellas are, you know because we're in such a rural part of, of, of Kerry and of Ireland as well, like uh, jobs and stuff like that as well. You know, there's a lot of fellas based at home, there's a lot of fellas based in Cork and Dublin and different places like that, so up, in, up in Limerick and stuff, so everybody's going to base away, so it leads to challenges. Yeah, so how do you even manage that then for training during the week? So it, it's, um, it can be difficult, obviously. Uh, we've kind of, we have a kind of a training, we train in a, in a place outside Clemson Fest there called Baradov and lads from Cork can get there and if one of the lads from Limerick is available he can get there the lads in Dublin train away as best they can above Dublin with a club up there and we try and just meet again then at the weekends as best we can once or twice maybe a Friday and a Sunday over the weekend or something like that everybody together but it's it's difficult like um, and then when you know it's, it's numbers are low then during the week and if there's one or two fillets away like it makes an awful difference like and we had good number of lads involved with Kerry set up this year so you can imagine like numbers were way down like you know what I mean you're, you're struggling for numbers of training there and makes it difficult like 
Yeah, no, definitely. So you're the most represented uh, club on the Kerry team this year. Obviously, the two Spillans, yourself and Gavin Crowley, all from this tiny little area, which is an incredible achievement. It, is, is this just a once in a generation? I know um, is Tom Spillane used to coach you when you were younger. What do you put it down to? Because like, can Mayor going through a bit of a golden generation as well beside you? Yeah, I know. It's amazing, really. Yeah, just to have the four from the club was was it was class, really, to be honest. Uh, and then you had two other lads from Camille, Stephen O'Brien and Shawnee, obviously, as well. It was, it was amazing uh, to have that kind of mentality there. I mean, even we all were past pupils of public school of Virginia there, so it was cool for the school there. They had the six pictures outside the outside the um, outside the school there for the All Ireland and stuff like that. And the town was the town and the locality around Tipperno and everything, with the flags and posters and everything, in order to just huge buzz around that time and. It's uh, yeah, it's probably the once in a generation kind of thing. It was kind of a bit of a once off, all right. But uh, like there was a lot of years there. There was nobody really from the locality on the Kerry set up um, after the Spillans there. It was kind of a a dry period for a while. Paul O'Connor was involved there in the mid nineties, all right. Um, won a couple of All Ireland medals, but after that again, then there was it was kind of slacking off until Stephen O'Brien came along again. So it was great. Now this year, there's so many local fellas, and uh, it created a great buzz. It was great for the kids around the locality too, like they're all just even see the local fellas playing with Kerry and the big buzz that goes along with that you know what I mean and you know, to be able to see the likes of even like me here in the school or or even to see Shawnee Shea inside the shop in Camara or something you know they see Shawnee in TV or they see, see him there in Ogany Young Player of the Year or something and so they could walk down the street or go into a shop in Camara there and meet him you know what I mean so it's it's huge for the for the kids locally to have the you know fellas playing with Kerry and to you know, somebody for them to aspire to and want them to pay for carry as well. You know, so it's, it's it's cool that way. Yeah, definitely. So there's six off the starting team from Kenmare and Temple Mo. Anyone listening doesn't know where Temple Mo is in relation to Kenmare. Like you're only four or five miles out the road, right? So like I mean, it is a yeah, it is a huge true, thing. Yeah. Um, so you you mentioned that there were there was a big gap then from the Spillans to you know year generation, and you were the first one to mm. start a championship match for for Kerry since the Spillans. And yeah, that was in yeah, 2016. Yeah. I was reading, that was incredible yeah. that you didn't play league in 2016. You won that junior All-Ireland and then you made your debut in the championship. So you went straight from playing junior club football at, to starting senior inter-county championship. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> um, I, told, um, I was involved with the first and I got in for there would be a few trainings with the Kerry Seniors, so that would have been the 2015 season. They got the Ireland final that time, lost Dublin. But I would have, I got in for a couple of training sessions there at the end of that year, leading up to the Tyrone semi-final and stuff. So I got a bit of a bit of a taste for it. Um, the end of that 2015 season, then I, I kind of had a good, decent enough county championship with the local district teams in our district, and kind of got called into the Kerry setup then for the following year, 2016, as you said, and then. Um, yeah, it was we had won the the Ireland Junior so our training with Kerry was kind of limited. Myself and Gavin Crowley were together there; we were both all in at the same time. And then it was kind of difficult to be honest because I was based in Dublin as well, so things weren't going too great for me there in the league. I actually didn't make any league panels or anything. As you said, it's a bit of a step up from uh, doing club football to senior in the county, so kind of that took a while to get used to. But um, we actually are kind of staying at it and um, <clears throat> Eamon kind of knew me from Kerry Under 21s uh, when he was manager of Kerry Under 21s I was there as well so he kind of knew me which kind of helped and we went on a bit of a training camp one of the times there we actually went to London for three or four days in a training camp and I performed well over there and it kind of got, got in as a, as a result 
Right. But okay. um, it was kind of I didn't really know myself to be honest. I didn't really know. I was so fresh to it and so naive. I didn't really know that you know. Now you know if let's say coming up your game, you know if you're going to be in the team or not, or you know how well you're going, etc. When you're a couple of years into it or whatever. But at that time, I didn't really know. Is am I going well here? Or am I even a chance to start or whatever? I was so naive that, in fact, I was going very well. In fact, I was on the A team, let's say, for an ABB before the first championship game. But sure, I was a bit of a starting, like I didn't really understand. You know what I mean? I was just so naive. And um, after that training camp, they name and I was like, you know, like be ready for next weekend or there's clear matches next weekend. So be so be be ready or whatever. So um, yeah, it was it was cool for the club now to have somebody starting with Kerry again, and it was big for my yeah. family and stuff as well. It came as a bit of a shock to everybody, all right, but thankfully everything worked out that day, and it's going to move on from there. It's it's fantastic, um, and you were so inexperienced that when you came into the into the dressing room, it would be daunting enough. You sat in Gucci's seat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, geez, I was like, Jesus, who am I after? Uh, whose place am I after taking here? People were like, we're after sitting in and uh, ended up sitting in his place a lot of people, but um, I just found out about it, obviously. But uh, yeah, it's not the way everybody has their own little spot in the dressing room, always. Yeah, so Tyke Morley has his own spot in the dressing room now, right? Uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, you find your own corner, I can't, not too bad. Yeah. So, so, so Kamir, you're a bit of an all-rounder because when you came onto the scene, the first time I kind of paid attention to you was in that league final against Dublin where you, you were did a great job on Kieran Kilkenny. You were centre-back um, then. You played full, you're playing full-back pretty much with Temple No, and now you kind of found that position with Kerry as well. Yeah, um, I suppose for the last few years it's probably been probably the half-back line I've probably felt most comfortable and probably if somebody was to ask me what my position would be it would probably be centre-back um, now I would uh, like i play i play anywhere whether it be for club or county whatever wherever I'm needed really um, I'd like to think I'm fairly versatile right, so I can play across any of the positions really in the, the six-back so I'm happy enough to toggle anywhere um, but yeah uh, I suppose early in my career, career it was always in the half-back line I was um I suppose it might, have been, it might have been last year or the year before. I think they were kind of, Eamon was kind of looking at me for the inside backs, all right, the full back line. But I don't know, when you have a big man who are trying to mark somebody like Kieran Donny inside there, uh, he's got a little bit of a height difference there. I don't know, I only lacked a couple of sessions, I think. I was back out. I was back out the, full, uh, the, the half back line again. But uh, this year, I think, to be honest with you, I think it was probably. I'd say Peter Crowley's injury kind of forced them to think about me in the full-back line. They probably had seen me play there for the, for the club, all right? And, um, Peter and the, 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 the management probably said we'll have a look at a tie in the full-back line. It kind of, kind of worked from there then. I probably I played decently well there in the uh, intermediate club final and it kind of went down from there then. So. Right, OK. Because, mm. aware of input, really. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know that, Jay. You will, you will. But, like, I mean, I presume the Kerry full-back line, at the same as the Dublin full-back line, because of the philosophy you have as teams, you're exposed until your drifting players come back. So there's a point if the t- other team moves the ball fast where it's old school, there's a load of space in front of you and you're under pressure. Ah, uh, you are, yeah. But sure, that's sure. You know what I mean? I'm. I'm <laughs> it was actually handy enough for me because I'm so used to it. We don't. We we're uh, a free free flowing kind of no real defensive system going through ball kind of team. So right. I'm kind of, yeah, kind of used to that. Anyway, I'm coming up with a bit of space in front, but uh, 
don't know, you know, look, as a, as a back, I suppose, if you're if you're playing like that, as you said, and you don't, if there's, you know, you're waiting for Phyllis to get back or whatever, as long as there's pressure on the ball outside, you'll hold your own or you'll try your best, you know what I mean? But it's, uh, it's when there's no pressure on the ball outside, you can be caught in ball or all right uh, with the ball that's facing in front of you. But um, I know, I think uh, there was times this year, I would carry, we might have been a little bit open at the back, but uh, as the year went on, I think it improved. I think you know we we played defensively. Defensively, we were quite sound the first day against Dublin, especially you know. So um, I think uh, the the our defensive plan, our defensive structure, kind of kind of developed as the year went on. And I suppose that's in the the learnings that you get through the games, and we we, we definitely um, developed as the season went on. Yeah, you know, you definitely did. So you're going out in all Ireland final to Mark Mannion with his pace. What 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 are you thinking about? Because I suppose getting out in front of him is going to be difficult. But one thing I remember that you were good at doing is if he did get out in front, the minute he gathered the ball, you were able to hit him with a tackle. You know what I mean? To knock him off his stride, mm. or to, just to be close to him, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, it's a tough man to mark. But pace and strength, as uh, as you said. Um, I suppose coming into the final, um, you know, we have a, a, a very good coach here in Dodie Boxy and um, even the, the, the management team there have good pointers for you, different players. You have to do your own bit of research in as well. So, you know, I, had, I, I knew uh, coming into the final, I was, I was lined up to be Matthew Mannion, so I would have done my own research on him then as well. And, yeah, I suppose that was one of the things that we had kind of backed out, you know, I suppose it's the same with any forward, really. Once, if they are to get the ball, that's, if you're able to make contact straight away, you're kind of stopping them from what they want to do. Like they want yeah. to get the ball with no contact, turn and go at you. While if you're if you're able to get a hit on straight away or make contact straight away, you can kind of knock them off a bit anyway. So, uh, yeah, that was certainly something that was in the in the uh, in the in the plan. If he was to get the ball, just to, to make contact early, try and stay as close as as I could to him. Easier said than done, but um, that was the that was definitely that was definitely there in the head. All right. Do, do, do you have any regrets, I suppose, from the first day, that final 12 minutes? I don't know, have you gone back as a group or that's probably too difficult, uh, you know, at this stage or have you regrouped your, I know you're with Temple No, um, just kind of from your own point of view, that final 12 minutes when you went to point up, it, it, not pushing on from there maybe? Yeah, oh definitely, yeah. Obviously very disappointing when you think back. Um, I suppose we would have definitely... Um, Reviewed that um, after the first game, obviously because oh, yeah. we were in the replay after, so we just we did, we had two weeks there. We definitely had re- had it reviewed. All right, yeah, we were disappointed, obviously, with certain aspects of it. Um, but you have to commend Dublin too the way they were able to, you know, their coaching and their their the, the decisions those the, their, their players make on the field. You know, the way they were able to press up on us with fourteen men and put so much pressure on the ball there despite having a, being a man down you know it was, it was, it was uh, very good by them do you know what I mean yeah. so um, but yeah I suppose we were disappointed we didn't keep possession well enough there when we had it because we did have the ball so I think we probably I'm not sure now I think we probably got all our kickouts in that 12 minute period I'm not even I, maybe one or two but we definitely got most of our a high percentage of our kickouts in that 12 minute period so we definitely had the ball but we lost it along the way in the transition from the back to the forward. So we were definitely disappointed with that and something that we worked on between the two games. But yeah, looking back on it, you know, it, it, it's definitely disappointing that we didn't convert any any more chances there in that 12-minute period. Yeah, well, you're definitely on the right uh, track anyways, Tyg. There's no doubt about that. Like, I mean, I was reading a stat that when Tomás O'Shea um, came on against Donegal, he was the 16th championship debut 
um, debutante Kerry had in two seasons and there was nine games in those two seasons so that's just an incredible turnover but this year you kind of maybe little settled a little bit as well and you know a lot to obviously to work on after rattling the dubs the way you did Yeah look it's great that there's so many new players being developed and so many new players getting their chance I suppose like the last year's management team because Morris and his management team probably need to get a, a bit of credit for that too like you know last year they, they introduced a lot of debutants as well if you think of Gavin White and Michal Byrne and David Clifford obviously if you say it, you know what I mean so they, yeah. they they developed them as well so they deserve credit for that too and then of course Peter developed more again this year so that's it's, it's great to see and there's you know you can it's definitely elements of a new team forming there so um it's definitely a positive going forward. So hopefully we can develop more, as you said, settle down and and you know try and try and try and win that all around that we're looking for. Um, look, yeah, we were we were close to the dogs, but it's kind of like a close not close enough. Or you know we were, you know it's just it's tough to look back and I really to be honest with you because we're you know supposed to get so far or whatever you want to say, but the. Um, yeah, I haven't actually watched back much of the second game yet, really. I haven't been able to bring myself to watch it. I watched the first 10 minutes and I had to turn it off. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's tough to think back on it, but we'll have to, we'll have to review it at some stage, definitely, and we'll have to look at the learnings and sure the management has and pick out things that we can develop going forward into next season. But um, yeah, it'll be exciting to get back into the, you know, obviously with the club now, but it'll be exciting to get back into the 2020 season now soon enough. Yeah, exactly. Well, I suppose Temple No is a good distraction for you at the moment anyways to maybe get over that uh, the All-Ireland final loss and concentrate on something else. Come here, Tyga, I won't keep up any more of your time. I know you're trying to get back um, teaching. I, I suppose I'll see you at this stag that we're going to in a few weeks' time. Oh, yeah, maybe, yeah. I was wondering how you got me number, really. <laughs> <laughs> On the WhatsApp group. Tyg, thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> no matter, I'll go. Yeah, we, I, we do. Yeah, we have a farm back home, so we have, we have a big farm back home, and we have we have uh, cattle and sheep, and we have a few donkeys as well. So, um, we had a couple of silly donkeys. Uh, so I brought them down, and so we did actually sold them to. Uh, I think we had four donkeys on the day, and we sold them to a man from Wexford. So we did. So there's there's the piebald donkeys from there, and there's the, the <laughs> traditional donkey, and there's the, the Spanish donkey, and then there's the, the Spanish donkey. Yeah, you see you see them on the on the beaches now. And so, um, yeah, you can actually one time, one time the the donkey was useless, right? But now some people have started to get back into them because you can use them for headage, and uh, it's used towards your, would say, your bonuses, your grants. A donkey, a donkey in Eden, a donkey in a palace. All right, lads, Paddy Power predictions time and we're going to start with the three county finals, Tipperary County Finals on Saturday at 2.30. How disrespectful, just to start off with complaint about this, is it to put, I think we did an example of this last year, lads, with maybe Waterford or somewhere. So the county final in football is Clonmel commercials against J.K. Brackens um, on Saturday. The Boris Ali are playing Glen Rovers on the Sunday. Both, are, both of them are in Semple Stadium and the 
the quarter final of the Munster Club is given precedence over a uh, county final. Not only is it given precedence over a county final, they wouldn't disrespect the hurling by putting the football even on the same day. I was about the to same ask, day why didn't they do double no, letter? No, not having that. So Eamon Corcoran, you might know Eamon Corcoran from playing with uh, Tipperary, he'd be around my age. He says, personally, I think this undervalues the competition. He's actually chairman of JK Brackens. Um, he's only my age. So I thought that, I saw Eamon Corcoran and I was wondering, is that Eamon Corcoran that played with Tip? And it, as it turns out, it is. So he says, personally, I think this undervalues the competition. If you had it on a Sunday, irrespective of where you had it, I think it could bring a bigger crowd. So he's not even, he doesn't even mind if it's not in Semple Stadium. He just wants to be able to have it on Sunday. Think about it, lads. 2.30 on a Saturday. If you have a business in town, any sort of a business, a lot of construction, um, you know, works on Saturdays, all those kind of things, you can't go to the county final. It's completely wrong. Um, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't happen. Clonmel commercials are one to six favourites to beat J.K. Brackens. Interestingly, J.K. Brackens, they're only a new club. They, I think they started up in the 90s. So they're now in a senior football um, final, their first ever. They won a minor and they won the last two under 21. So they're a real up and coming team. So they're interesting. I'd never heard J.K. Brackens before. Here's another interesting fact about J.K. Brackens. They're in the Junior B hurling final in Tipperary last weekend. I think they won it. Can't be 100% sure. They have 13 players that crosses over from that Junior B hurling team to the football team. And the majority of them play in the same positions. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always find it interesting in football who, where they play. Because uh, Clonmel Commercials beat Noel McGrath and John McGrath's club, um, Lockray, Lock Castlemore, uh, Castlemore, Lockray, or something like that. Yeah, it is that. Yeah. And uh, Noel McGrath's midfield and John McGrath's full forward. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, I was thinking there wouldn't be anywhere else other, other than those two positions. But anyway, so that's it. Um, you'd have to fancy Clonmel commercials, lads, here. Michael Quinlivan's the big story here. He probably a little bit like Ben McCormick, who we'll talk about in a minute, um, probably hanging around for his club until the county final and he's heading off to Australia, Australia then. So one to six, nine to two, uh, J.K. Brackens. It's some story of J.K. Brackens and they're like the, the second coming of Lockmore who won the senior hurling of football in 2013 and obviously they've won senior B so they're going to be in the senior A hurling next year so yeah. like they're, they're going well I hope they fancy Clamell for this weekend but like J.K. Brackens will probably win one in the future They will win one in the future I've been meeting the champions as well yeah but 6-1 to one and Clamell's reputation is too much for 1-6 yeah, yeah exactly one six, yeah. so Kerry final East Kerry versus Dr. Crooks this is a fantastic game I don't know why I can see exactly why T.G. Cahar wanted to put this on it an interesting one about this is that if the county final if this final we know the whole thing about Dr. Crokes if they lose they won't actually be in the Munster Club it'll be Austin Stacks because they won the county final early in, earlier in the league earlier in the year it's not like Glen Rovers in Cork who lost to a divisional team and they're in the Munster Munster Club hurling uh, quarterfinals if the Kerry County final is, is a draw at the end of normal time there'll be no extra time or penalties taken Instead, Dr. Crokes will go on to the Munster semi-final against Nemo or Newcastle um, West from Limerick. And a replay of the county final will take place after Crokes' involvement in the Munster club is, uh, is over. So I thought, that, I thought that was an interesting one. East Kerry are 11 to 10, slight outsiders, Dr. Crokes are evens. There's nothing in this at all, lads. You take uh, David Shaw is out. For Crokes, he got a jaw injury in the semi-final and didn't in the first semi-final didn't play the replay. He's a big loss. I'll go for East Kerry here, lads. Uh, Crokes are going for their second four in a row this decade, which is incredible um, achievement. Again, it's a toss-up, really. I'm sure East Kerry would love that eventuality of a draw where they have to go away and train then for a yeah. month. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wait for Crokes to come back and play them. Um, 
I'm I'm going to go with Crooks. Just it's sort of a just to let you know now. This is Crooks' fourth game in 21 days. Yeah, and then you, did you write down it could be like, so if they win this, it's going to be five and 28. Did they go into the monsters? Then? Next week would be five and 28, which might be a bridge too far against Nemo Rangers, who they'll probably play. But fourth game in 21 days coming against an East Kerry team who are really really strong. Mm. You know. Anyways, I thought that might change your mind. Yeah, if Glanties can do it. <laughs> it's David Clifford against Tony Brosnan and Tony Brosnan loves club season so let's go with Crooks. Okay, it's pr- probably a recency bias that I've seen East Kerry uh, on TV in the last fight. They looked really impressive. Not just not just David Clifford who was like, absolutely incredible, ridiculously incredible, but they looked like a really good outfit. I haven't seen Crooks in a long time but just the momentum that they have, whatever, I'm going to go for East Kerry as yeah, well. Yeah, but you see the thing of it is the kind of style of football Crooks play they're not exactly going to be swarming David Clifford too much and they don't have unbelievably tight man-marking defenders. I was like thinking it would be Fionn Fion Fitzgerald. He'd he? probably have to mark him, yeah. yeah. I don't think he'd be able for Clifford at all. Um, Brian Looney now has gone back wing back, sort of, who is a wing forward all for the last decade. And, no, Gavin, really and, and, Gav, and Gavin White. There's two of your halfback line. You're not getting yeah, much yeah. protection there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I mean, David Clifford could run amok completely. Um, so, the Galway hurling final, Lee, Melio, Lee Mellows versus St. Thomas's. Lee Mellows are 5 to 4. St. Thomas's are 4 to 5. This is three county finals in a row for Lee Mellows, who hadn't won one um, in 47 years two years ago. So, they won their first one in 47 years. They're a town uh, club. Louis Mulqueen took them over, and he's after getting them to three county finals in a row. So, like, I mean, they're slight outsiders. St. Thomas's beat them in the final uh, last year. 5-4, to four, Liam Mellows. St. Thomas's 4-5. to five. Yeah. I actually saw Liam Mellows in the semi-final against Tabitha Tagle. As did I, yeah, yeah. last year. And I saw them last year and this year, but they're much, like, they seem stronger this year. Now, maybe it's just two one-off games that I saw, but um, and chatting to Alan, who's from Tabitha Tagle, he was saying, very surprised at all the players, knowing every one of their players' names. So it shows the sort of preparation that Louis Mulqueen's bringing to it as right. well. Like, and just that little bit of detail, I think, might get them over the line. Did he find that strange? Jesus, I would know. Oh, would I? I'm trying to think. Would you know the opposition's team by the, the five, name? Five or six of them that you'd be keeping an eye out for. I don't know. I know. Well, I would have known all of the names of the players that you'd be playing Depends when you get the county final. Rivalries, at, suppose, at county like, final yeah. time, you would yeah. know the names. At first round against the team, you don't often play, obviously not. <laughs> county final times, I wouldn't think that's major. You'd be, you'd be watching them, no? I don't know. I wouldn't think that's outrageous. But anyways, Mulqueen took them over. Um, they told him they were the 11th best team in Galway um, when he took them over. They had been in relegation battles. Mulqueen uh, managed St. Joseph's Dora Bearfield to an All-Ireland um, title. He was in with Loch Nan when he was with Galway and he was in for the, he was in with Davy Fitz with Clare when they won the All-Ireland and he was in for the Clare job this year but pulled out Obviously, so the likes of Lee Mellows are very lucky to have a manager of Louis Mulqueen's experience mm. over them. I'll give Lee Mellows the nod. St. Thomas's kind of, I know it's hard to look back. I'm kind of against Crokes. The last time I saw Crokes was the all Ireland final last yeah, year, they yeah. got hammered. And the last time I saw St. <laughs> yeah, Thomas's was the la- all Ireland, they got <laughs> yeah, hammered as yeah. well. So I'm like, I'm done with those two teams now. <laughs> They're no else. good. Um, I'll go with Lee Mellows here. Yeah, me too. I think we'll make it a hat trick, yeah. Lee Mellows. <laughs> okay, Connacht Club uh, semi finals. We're into provincial semi finals now, Les. Tier Connell Gales versus Podrick Pierce's from Roscommon. Tier Connell Gales, obviously from London. This is in London. Um, Tier Connell Gales, 11 to 4 outsiders, 4 to 11 are Padraig Pierce's. I think there could be a shock on the cards here. I give Tier Connell Gales a big chance. They have the likes of Mark Gotcha, Liam Gavigan, who we know um, is the London captain. The last time Tier Connell Gales, 2017, played in the Connacht Club uh, Championship 
they had to travel to Dr. Hyde Park to play Clonagale and they're only beaten 115 to 110. Clonagale got four points in the last 10 minutes unanswered to, you know, there was nothing in this game for a long time. Now, Padraig Pierce's, who've never played in this competition uh, before, have to travel to London. I saw Pat Flanagan saying it's going to be difficult to get everything organised. We have to fly out on Saturday, so we really only have a few days to get ourselves ready. The whole preparation for a club team that's never had to do this before, the excitement of going to London and mm. I think it could be a distraction. I think Tyr Connell Gales are waiting in the long grass. <laughs> and I think I'll go Tyr Connell Gales here, lads. Dr. Hyde Park, London. It's all the same for Hubert Darcy, so I'm going to go with uh, Parry Pierce. You'd never back against Hubert Darcy yeah, and Pierce, the Dailies. Pierce as well. Uh, I saw, saw a good bit of the county final. I think they were a lot better than the eventual margin suggested in the Roscommon final. Yeah, Hubert Darcy, the Dailies. The, there's a couple other in there Curry, as well. Really yeah, strong no, Curry, kind yeah. of uh, inter county representation, so I'm going to go with Pierce's. All right, okay. So Corrafin play Ballantubber, lads. This is in Tume Stadium, which is a ground Corrafin only know too well. Mm. Um, this is a repeat of last year's final. So Ballantubber were well in this game I remember watching it 1-5-2 to two at half time and then they kind of got hammered in the second half 1-8-4 to four. final score was Ballantubber 1-9 Corrafin 2-10 we all know Corrafin are a better team than Ballantubber um, it's interesting that Corrafin the Galway County final was put for two, two more weeks so they didn't play it the following week they waited two weeks and now Corrafin have only a uh, you know the seven day yeah, turnaround yeah. where they could have just played the replay the following week and given them more of a run into this because it's not a good draw for Corrafin coming off a county title I wouldn't think Corrafin are at the stage in a seven row where they're going on it all day Monday and like I'd say there'd be only like you know a few of few. them maybe go on the Monday they're <clears> so used to it now maybe I have that wrong but yeah. um, you know with a with a provincial Quarter final or semi final coming up the following week, they might have left Monday off. Yeah, I know. I know they drew last year's final as well, didn't they? Like, but they they, they drew last year's final. Close. Yeah. So I think it's good for them. Like, there was a stage there where they was pissing through Galway, even though there's only a week between like this final and or and the Ballon Tubber game. I think it's still good that they're getting those competitive matches this early. So I fancy them to be sharp. Yeah, Ballon Tubber only had the week as well. They beat the Leitrim champions there at the weekend, so they've only had a yeah. But they have a week after winning a run of yeah, the yeah, game I suppose, county yeah. finals. I, I just think the odds for Ballon Tubber are very long. Like I've I've seen a lot of Ballon Tubber like played against Ballon Tubber this year, and then seen a lot of them because all the um, championship games were on Mayo GA TV. Like it is, it's not a whole lot different from what they've done before but they're very very tough to play against yeah, like a, they play a defensive they're quite defensive but at the same time like they're, they they put on a high press and then manage to get a lot of bodies behind the ball right. like I remember like, they hammered us in the league and just thinking that playing in the back division that you're just absolutely suffocated by you didn't have a second their forwards yeah. were over in your second in a, in a minute and then like you were trying to attack and they seem to have bodies back <laughs> behind the ball as well like very fit and even outside of their like they have a lot of, they have game changers in uh, Jason Gibbons and Jim O'Connor which is as strong a midfield as you'll come across uh, Killian didn't play last weekend actually I'm not sure is he fit for fit for this weekend then uh, Michael Plunkett centre back really strong spine and then outside of that they're very solid I still think the Carfin will beat them uh, they had, seem to have their number they've beaten them a few times in the last few years but it won't be I, I just thought 4-1 to one to yeah I completely agree Ballantubber are worth a punt at 4-1 to Carfin yeah. uh, at 1-5 to five, I do agree you'd fancy, have a slight fancy for Carfin but not at those odds at all I would agree with that yeah. Um, Leinster, so yeah, I'll go Corrafin, but in a in a close enough game. Uh, Leinster club uh, quarter final. So Newtown Blues play Ballyboden Saint Enders. This is in Drogheda at half past one. Uh, Newtown Blues are six to one here. Ballyboden are one to ten. Last time Ballyboden won Dublin was 2015. They travelled to St Pat's from Loud, and they just got over the line against them, one eight to seven points. So Declan O'Matney was referring to that um, today. I know f- uh, that's five years ago or four years ago now. But at the same time, they need to be on their toes. But I think we'll all agree Ballyboden will, will win this one. Yeah. 
Yep. St. Patrick's from Wicklow play Port Leash. Um, that's in Ockram at one thirty. God, the Battle of Ockram, eleven to four. St. Pat's Port Leash are four to eleven. Uh, this is a tricky one for Port Leash. St. Pat's obviously beat for Ban in the last round away from home, which is a is is a, a very good result. Last year they lost to Road. Uh, badly in the Leinster Club but they had beaten Ratnew the day before that Wicklow County final went oh, to a replay yeah. do you remember that mm. so it's hard to know um, I'd be worried for Portlaoise in this one based on their county final performance you'll be hoping the Leinster Championship will lift Portlaoise mentally because it usually does it's like a start of something new and Portlaoise aren't the big fish anymore and aren't the hunt they're not the hunted they become the hunt you know the hunter yeah. and that, that yeah. mentality thing is important so I think Portlaoise will just about get over the line in this but there won't be much in this at all ultimate tough place to go Achram <laughs> yeah um, but I'm still going to go with Portlaoise yeah. I'm not going to back against you yeah same as yeah it'll be tight as well I think it'll be tight but I'll go for Portlaoise Gary Castle play Ratot in Cusick Park at one thirty. this is evens um, Ratot are, ten, are 11 to 10 Gary Castle are evens so John Keane um, was talking during the week we're not getting carried away we intend to take this campaign one game at a time very exciting stuff from John uh, <laughs> Ratot are a very good team with plenty of pacey footballers who like to play a fast attacking style of football so I, w- I was interested to see that John Keane is manager of Gary Castle with Gary Dolan so Desi after the county final and the change at halftime was giving his brother all the credit <laughs> for taking him off so in my head she's Gary Dolan's their manager and then I was looking at this what's John Keane doing talking about uh, Gary Castle John Keane obviously is a former all-star cornerback I've marked him in a Leinster yeah. final brilliant player former teammate of mine um, in Minute. He was over the Westmead under-21s last year. So now I'm starting to think, maybe it's not the two Dolans taking all the credit. Maybe yeah. John Keane had a little bit of influence over whipping Desi off at halftime. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and it wasn't a conversation with his brother yeah. at all. Yeah, this boy's not up to Maybe that's why Desi's not involved anymore. Yeah. Nah, he's retired. But um, Ratouf's actually really interesting as well. Like Their population's grown like 300% in the last 10 years yeah. or something like that so obviously benefit of being a commuter town um, don't know much about the, the specifics of their team but I'm going to go with them yeah, they yeah so am I yeah, they, they gave didn't they give Summerhill a decent they had a good tally against Summerhill yeah, well, the, the, the two Wallaces anyway. who are flyers and have Brian McMahon and yeah. they have Connor Gill fullback who's an all-star uh, nominee, nominee this yeah. year so they have plenty of talent throughout their team and they're again up and coming yeah, I'm going to go with them. I'll go Ratot as well, although I backed against Gary Castle last week and uh, didn't work out too well for me. Aerog, the last one, lads in Leinster, they play Sarsfields. Aerog are 15 to 8 outsiders, Sarsfields are 4 to 7. Can't see anything outside of a Sarsfields win, even though Ben McCormack has gone to Australia. So I thought that was an interesting one. He hung around for the county final and then went. Um, so I still think Sarsfields would be too good for Aerog, who kind of struggled to get over um, the... The Wexford champions last week so I'll go Sarsfields here yeah me too Sarsfields Munster Club uh, semi-finals lads we won't spend too much time here these are pretty one-sided games Milltown Malbay 2-5 to five to beat Rat Cormac from Waterford who are 5-2 to two. Um, and Nemo Rangers from Cork 1-40 to 40 to beat Newcastle West um, from Limerick uh, at 11-1 to 1. are we both going Milltown and Nemo here there's a, yeah. a Derryman playing for uh, the Waterford champions Ralph Gormick uh, Cal Croich playing cornerback with yeah. them so, um, what's he doing down there I don't know follow his heart hope he's not commuting yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a joke <laughs> <laughs> and he goes back midweek for training <laughs> he's a 
Fon Veilman from Derry, but now he's uh, living down in Waterford, obviously. He's not commuting. Um, so <laughs> I would like to make the case for them, but uh, Jason Curry, Jason Gleason are doing the damage for them up top, but I can't see past Milltown Melbourne. Very nice bit of work on Rack Harmouth there, <laughs> Colin. You must have had a, a minute or two this morning. Uh, Munster Club Senior Hurling Semi Finals just to finish up on. So Boris Ali are 10 to 11 to beat Glen Rovers, who are 10 to 11. Boris Ali are 11 to 10, sorry. Um, this is in Semple Stadium. A weird one with Glen Rovers as they lost the county final. So it's hard to know where their mm. heads are at. So you kind of feel like a fraud, wouldn't you, landing into a Munster club after not being able to win mm. your county? Now, it's Middleton uh, nearly beat Ballygunner last year after losing the Cork final. But Middleton wouldn't be the same prestigious club like Glen Rovers who've won 25-odd county titles. You know, I think their ego... I think when you're as big a club like Glen Rovers, you haven't won your county final, I think they'll go in thinking, oh God, you know, this is a bit embarrassing. I, yeah. Maybe that's going, I would say that's probably going through their heads. Yeah, like uh, some people might argue that like, you know, this is the only chance they have now of winning something, but like surely they've been flattened a bit by not winning Cork. Yeah, and, yeah like you have to imagine the training, the intensity has just stepped off a little bit. People might not even, I don't know, but they might yeah. not be there, like just not as consistent. Now, having said that, to beat Boris Leader in a Munster final, now, now they're yeah, back. They're Do you know what I mean? This is, they're in yeah. the no man's land kind of here, you know? And Boris Lee winning the county title was a huge deal for them. Hadn't done yeah. it in over 30 years. It was only, it was, what, seven days ago? I'm sure they, listening to Paddy Stapleton on Monday, they obviously celebrated heartily on Sunday night, whether they went into the Monday again. Oh, so they were. He was outside a pub so on Monday. Then, like, that, I mean, that could have its impact as well. So um, I think Glen Rover's slight favourites. So yeah. I'd, I'd say Boris Lee were drinking Tuesday and maybe went back training Wednesday. Jeez, you have to celebrate. It was interesting mm. just to bring this up. It was after Nave Connell beat uh, Castle Rahan. <coughs> Um, who was interviewed I think it might have been their manager and he said they enjoyed the Wednesday night and they enjoyed all day Thursday and still went and beat Castle Rahan because they said it was important to to if you can't win a county final and enjoy it and I was just going geez that's fantastic I mm. thought maybe when they beat them they might not have but that's uh, for me and that's what I was saying they should have done that yeah. that way like why, what's the point in winning it yeah. if you don't celebrate it and it's just bad luck in the scheduling of it that you could get caught the next day and they didn't get caught. Yeah. So just to pull some Nave Connell compliments in, into that. Here, what do we make of the Boris Lee mascot? So they have a rooster. <laughs> I only heard it, about it. Do I'm we like... call it a rooster? So it was in all the pictures um, after the game. And uh, I was just thinking, is, is, could this take off? This is a big thing in college football <laughs> in America, obviously. Every team has their own mascot. Like, I mean, bringing out... Uh, or a mascot onto the field I, don't, I thought it was funny in the pictures I thought it added an extra little bit of theatre yeah. like I was saying to Paddy I'm not against mascots <laughs> any team want to have a mascot you could have Jim Gavin leading out an animal before the <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'd love to see that <laughs> I was just going to ask you you prefer mascots rather than all those kids who were doing the parade before the leash final oh lord no I didn't like that I, did, I thought that but then again yeah I just was I, was I telling you recently that one of the Port Leash players was explaining to me about that that you could be just in the parade and this has become a thing in the last three or four years with Portlaoise that all these children get brought around in the parade. You could be just standing there, focused, not wanting any children. A child could be just put into your arms. <laughs> you're handed one. <laughs> you're handed a child. <laughs> and you have to carry the child around in the parade and you've had no like choice. Like a football. Just yeah, they're just <laughs> handing them over the fence. 
So I don't think even if I was still involved with Portage, I'm, I'd be powerless to stop this. These are just children being thrown at players. A terrified child is being carried around on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I don't, I don't like you comparing mascots, which I'm for, with the parade, which I'm against. I'm confused. I don't know what to think here, Conan. You've completely rattled me. Uh, the mascots are a bit of fun, and I'm sure the, yeah, the, the, the kids all enjoy it as well. Maybe that will keep the kids off the pitch if they're just enjoying playing like, with the, the mascot. mascot. Yeah, running after a little kitten or something like that. Um, right, Ballygunner finally, lads, play Patrick's well. Um, Ballygunner four to six. Obviously, they're flying it. Uh, they've won. I think they're up to six or se- seven in a row now. In, or six in a row in Waterford and they're defending champions Patrick's well um, probably aren't the same force as Napiershig but beat Napiershig in the final if that makes sense to you um, Ballygunner 4-6 like I said Patrick's well 6-4 interestingly in this one is, is the and how do you pronounce this word lads Natal Natal O'Grady um, would you say Natal Natal maybe yeah Natal Natal O'Grady um, is the coach of Patrick's well but he's also um, the manager to Tipperary Sean Tracy's, who beat Kiladangan last week in the Tipperary Intermediate Final. And they're playing Bally Saggart, who is the Bennett's club in Waterford. They're playing them in the Munster Club semi-final. So he's a coach. We obviously know um, he's not the manager of... of um, of Patrick's Well, but he's the coach of Patrick's Well. He's a Patrick's Well man, but he's also the manager of Sean Tracy's. He's going with his own club. He says, "Ah, it's going to be going with Patrick's Well. Your home club. It's, it, it's your home club is your home club. It's not really an issue because we've all the preparation work done in advance with Sean Tracy's." And then I was thinking, "Do you not have all the work done in advance with Patrick's yeah. Well?" I would say, if you commit to be a manager, that supersedes being a coach no now I know your own club is a different thing but I'm sure he's getting his expenses for going to Sean Tracy's in Limerick etc etc I was it's not an easy one definitely not but if you're a coach of a team on match day what's your role necessarily you know you're not the manager you're part of a backroom yeah. team whereas you're the manager of the other team and I think it's more important you've all your preparation work done in advance what if the opposition team throws a spanner in the works and you have to change your plans then 10 minutes into the game is it not the job of the manager That's on the, the line thing. to make those and decisions and Patrick's well have Kieran Carey who was in the running for the, Gal- the Galway job they have him to make all those decisions I don't think uh, Natal O'Grady is as important to Patrick's well as he is to Sean Tracy's and I think he should fulfil his commitment to Sean Tracy's yeah like no. A lot of coaches obviously have such an influence as well on the line and in the changing room and stuff. Maybe he is involved actively during games, but, but yeah, maybe he is. He used to be the same, or he used to be the Patrick's well manager in thir- in thirteen fourteen. So maybe he look. He's clearly a very uh, he's clearly a good manager. I, I'm not going to say very good because I don't know enough about yeah, him. Yeah. But I don't know. I just thought that if you've committed to a team outside yeah. your yeah, own county, call, it like is a definitely a tough call for him. But, but I think he's he's too important. He's mo- way more important to Sean Tracy's than he is to Patrick's well. And maybe should have gone with them. That's it. He's, he's not the manager. Like I can see the dilemma because that's obviously Patrick Wells' his club. You know, and you yeah. want to be there. Oh, no, as well. I'm not saying there's not a dilemma no, here. <laughs> Stevie putting words in here. <laughs> but yeah, like yeah, he's not the manager. He is the manager for another team. Yeah, I think I don't think there is a choice really. Okay, who are we going for here? Uh, I I I might chance. Jeez, you know how I went against Ballygunner last week. I look. I've no, I've, I'm saying a draw. I have to sit in the fence here because I kind of half fancy maybe Patrick Well to cause a shock against Ballygunner. But I also went against Ballygunner last week and I got uh, my comeuppance when they hammered Six Mile Bridge. So maybe a draw. We haven't had a draw. I'm going to go with Patrick's well because Needle O'Grady obviously <laughs> has a big role to play and he's going to be there. Yeah. So yeah, Patrick's well. No, Ballygunner for me. Okay, right. Listen, that's all we've time for a very long show today. We'll be back on Monday and we'll review the weekend's uh, club stuff. So we'll talk to you then. Good luck. 
The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour hurling acca. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop, and when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. <laughs>